I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to your final summer bonus episode. I'm super excited to be here today and I'm just generally feeling really excited and energized. I finally have some clarity and direction about not only what I'm doing with this podcast, but also just the new iteration of my business in general. And it just feels good. I'm a Capricorn. I like to know where I'm going. I like to have a plan. And my whole thing was I wasn't going to have a plan and just let things happen or what let things come up as they come up more towards the beginning of the year when I was newly into this new business idea. Um, And that was, that certainly served its purpose. But now I'm at the point where it's like, all right, what's the plan? What are we doing here? And I finally have some more direction. And I'm just really excited. So I'm going to share that update in just a moment. Um, And then I'm also going to share a postpartum update and what it's been what's been going on for me personally, as well as my birth story. And I know a couple things. One, I know that the whole idea of babies and children can be very triggering for some in this community. So if that's you, listen to the beginning of this episode and then don't feel obligated to listen to the rest. And also, as you probably know by now, I rarely hold anything back. So I'm going to be giving you all the details about my birth and postpartum. So if hearing about things downstairs makes you feel squirmy, then, you know, again, go ahead and skip that part of the episode. Um, But first, let's get to the business and podcast update. So this podcast will be officially morphing into Run Your Money. And I'm going to release two episodes a week starting in early September as of now, like the day after Labor Day. Um, All of this will be 
100% ironed out within the next few days, at least my time as I'm recording this. Um, and I'm going to release a trailer next week just to give you even more details about what's going on for the new iteration of the podcast. And it's going to be a twice a week show, at least at the beginning. We'll see if that feels sustainable or not. I am not trying to burn myself out by any stretch. Um, But the episodes will be a little bit shorter than just one long episode and have two different tones to them. The first episode of the week will be either me teaching on a specific topic with money or talking through something with money or perhaps a guest expert on, you know, a topic within money that I'm not super familiar with or not an expert myself in. And then the second episode of the week will be a Q&A. So I have already gotten tons of questions from people via email and DMs on Instagram and comments on TikTok. And I'm going to take those questions as well as any other questions that come through the official channels, which I'll tell you about in a second, um, and answer anywhere between I don't know, one to four of those questions. And it really just depends on how long my answer is for each um, of those questions, because I really want to keep that episode less than 15 minutes. And the first episode of the week will probably be closer, 25, 30 minutes or, or so. So if you have a money question for me, then you can go to veronicagrant.com forward slash ask V. So A-S-K as in ask, and then V as in Veronica. (laughs) And I'll put that link in the show notes so you can just tap that from your phones if you want and ask me any money question that you like. And also just know that if you interact with any of my stories or videos on Instagram or TikTok um, and you ask a question, then I am, you know, going to do my best to answer those questions there. Um, although I have to say TikTok has really blown up for me. And so I'm not able to get to all the questions anymore, which is kind of wild. Um, anyways, so, but I am tracking everything and, um, the, it'll eventually end up in that Q and a episode. Um, but I love your questions because one, it just, you know, gives me questions to answer for that second episode of the week, but it also just helps me to really know what the questions are that you have. And that helps me create content for this podcast, for my run your money newsletter, um, you know, social media, as well as, um, potential paid offerings. Um, and that brings me to a paid offering that I'm going to have. I'm not exactly sure of the date at this point. Um, the Jewish holidays this year are really like a thorn in my side (laughs) Um, because they're like on, they're on all the weekends. And normally that's good because then my son's school doesn't close as much, except if you want to have a weekend workshop, that's going to make it quite challenging. Anyways. um, So the workshop is going to be about investing. It is by far the number one question that I get. Um, Whenever I post about anything investing related, you know, it's the, the algorithm is telling me like people want to know more. Um, and so I am going to host, um, a workshop about that. And it's not like sketchy investing. I'm, I'm like not talking about crypto or flip your houses or I don't even know what the hell other people are doing. Um, it's just, just going to be straight up run of the mill. This is how you invest to secure your future and retirement. And just so you know, I am recording this with my baby in the background. She is in her crib. So if you hear some cooing, then that's what's going on. Okay. Um, 
so anyways, I don't have an exact date for the investing workshop, but the best place to find out about it first um, is my Run Your Money newsletter. So if you're not on that email list, make sure you get there. It's veronicagrant.com forward slash newsletter. Um, that's where I'll share information first. And if I do any um, early bird bonuses or anything like that, people in my newsletter will get first dibs at that. So just make sure you're there and you're keeping an eye on your email. Um, but I'm guessing at this point, it'll probably be late September or early October. Um, and then the second thing that I'm going to be releasing, hopefully around the time that I have the investing workshop, maybe a little before, is a run your money um, like spreadsheet blueprint. I need to have a better name for it. And this is basically just a, it's basically like a very technical, uh, glorified Google sheet where you can enter in like all your information about your savings goals, your investing goals, um, any debt that you have, spending both, um, you know, joy spending and also the spending that you have to do, like paying your utility bills, um, just so you can have everything on a piece of paper or just like right in front of you so you can really optimize your your money. Um, and that's where you can start making these decisions around like, okay, do I want to spend this extra $50 in my budget on going out with my friends or do I want to put that $50 towards retirement? And if I do that, like how much more money will that get me after 30 years of compounding? You know what I mean? And so there's no wrong answer here. I'm not suggesting you should put that $50 towards your retirement, but it just helps you then, it'll help you then make those decisions. Um, if you did my run your money workshop in the spring, you got a very, very elementary version of that spreadsheet. And, um, I will send you a free updated copy once that's available if you were in that workshop. Um, but hopefully that will be out for purchase soon-ish <laughs> by the time you're listening to this. Um, my husband's building it for me. So there's a little bit of back and forth because I know what I want it to be in my head. But for some reason, I'm having a hard time articulating all the calculations that I need him to <laughs> make the spreadsheet do. Um, okay. So that is that. And then I will be opening up my calendar again for clients. And there's two main ways to work with me in that way. The first is a one-off session where we talk about one specific money goal. And there are four um, main areas. So there's your relationship with your money and your money mindset. Then there's your spending then there's your savings goals, and then there's your investing. Um, and so, and then potentially paying off debt, depending on what, you know, your specific situation is. So one-off session, we can focus on one, possibly two of those, depending. And then um, if you feel like you just want like more of a full-on money makeover, top to bottom, where you just have your money plan that will get you through the next five to 10 years, then um, I recommend my run your money blueprint. And that's really where we'll go through that spreadsheet that I just talked about together, where we will spend time on your money mindset. And we will spend time on, okay, looking at your spending, optimizing your spending, looking at the credit cards that you're using, um, paying off any especially high interest debt and creating a plan around that, creating some savings goals and a plan around that and investing. And we'll talk about your investing options based on um, 
you know, if you're self-employed versus work for a company, if your company offers a 401k, if it doesn't, all of those kinds of things. So it's really top to bottom. Um, and that is a six week program. And so um, I don't have anything on my website about that, at least at the time that I'm recording this. Um, my goal is to have something up there about the six week program. So if you are interested in that, just send me an email support at veronicagrant.com. But if you want to book a one off run your money session, um, I'll put that link in the show notes because I know for sure that will be that's already um, I've already got a page for that. So I'll put that link in the show notes. It's there. And then hopefully by the time that this is actually you know, this episode is live, I will also have a link for the blueprint. Um, probably one of the main reasons why I don't is because I do have to arrange some childcare. Um, and you know, a one-off session is much easier to plan for than something that's a little bit more consistent. I have to, you know, work on that. Um, but hopefully again, by the time you're listening to this, things will be a little bit more squared away on my end and, um, that will be available. All of these, um, you know, contact, you know, any kind of contact with me, any kind of session. So the one-off or the six week, just so you know, like will be very limited, um, especially through the end or the rest of this year, because we don't have Ruthie starting daycare until January. And so I will have some support from my husband and my mother-in-law. Um, but it's just not going to be the same as when she's in, in daycare. So just know that there could be a little bit of a wait, Um, you know, you might have to book a month out. So if you are thinking that you want to book a session with me, it's definitely something to get on your calendar um, sooner rather than um, sooner rather than later. Okay. Um, I think that is it. And then again, next week, listen for the trailer where I'll give you a little bit more of a heads up and a teaser about what's coming up in the podcast. But if you've been listening to, you know, the love life connection, obviously it's not about love life anymore, but it's going to have very much my same tone because it's still me. Right. And so, yes, there will be some of the technical conversations around Roths and 401ks and investing and APYs and all that kind of stuff. But also, like, what does this mean for you? And what does this mean for your relationship with yourself and your relationship with other people in your life? And how does that impact? And how should that impact your decisions and all those things? So it's going to certainly have that softer tone to it um, as as well. So I hope that, you know, really my one thing that um, a lot of people told me, you know, with the Love Life Connection is that you know, they heard some of these other concepts like attachment styles or inner child stuff or whatever from other sources, other people, but they really liked how my ability to bring things down to earth and basically explain it in plain English, you know, as they might say. And um, I do think that's actually a gift that I have. I think it's maybe part of my Capricornness. I don't know. Um, but that's really one of my main goals with, with money. Um, you know, again, I know like, especially, especially with investing, just because I know that's the question that comes up so often. Um, it can just feel very overwhelming and like, am I going to lose all my money? And what is all this crap? Do I have to do this? Do I have to buy all these stocks and read stock news and buy crypto? And, um, my goal is just to explain it to you in plain English so that not that you follow my plan exactly, not that I have a plan. Um, but so that you can make your own decisions and money because you know, there's nuance to really everything, but especially with, with money. Um, so I want you to be able to, um, you know, know about these things, but then also make decisions that are ultimately going to work best for you. Cause ultimately it's your life and your money and 
nobody can care more about your money than you do. Um, okay, so now I'm going to turn over to a personal update with what's been going on with me over the last five weeks since Ruthie's been born to share a little bit about her birth story. Um, so again, if this is where you want to bow out, you got all the important stuff. Um, so I will see you next week in the trailer for the new podcast. And then, um, again, very soon in September with the regular podcast, um, relaunching. Um, and if you are not following me on Instagram or TikTok, I'm Veronica E. Grant. So that's a great place to stay connected with me throughout the week. Um, and then if you're not on the run your money newsletter, it's, I've been having so much fun creating those newsletters, by the way, and gotten great feedback. So just make sure you sign up for that. I'll put all those links in the show notes. Okay. All right. So I never share, um, I didn't share Marshall's exact due date and I didn't share Ruthie's exact due date. I'm like a little superstitious about it. And also if people know people, meaning like people in my family (laughs) know when my baby's due dates are, I just feel like they're either going to, you know, they're just going to ask a lot more stressful questions like, Oh, you're late. Like, Oh my God. Like, and I just didn't want any of that. So I just kept saying early summer, early summer, early summer is when she would be born. But her due date was June 16th. Um, which if you are keeping track is approximately five days or was it four days before cancer season starts. And my husband's a Gemini. And so I really wanted her to be born after May or after June 20th. And two reasons. One, I really didn't want to Gemini's, no offense to Gemini's, but my husband's a Gemini and like, really, that's enough. And plus Marshall's a Libra. And so to have three air signs in my house, when I literally have no air in my house or in my chart, I'm like all earth and fire. seemed a little stressful to me. (laughs) Also, my birthday is in the winter. Stevie's birthday is in the spring. Marshall's birthday is in the fall. And so I really wanted a summer birthday to round it out and complete our family. So I didn't really care when she was born. I just really wanted her to be after June 20th. Now, Marshall was 10 days late. So I thought the chances were definitely on my side and I was right. And the specific practice that I was you know, doing my prenatal care with was not going to let me go past June 23rd. Um, I was going to have to either have a planned C-section or um, induce me. And that actually created a lot of drama. Um, if you've been with me for a while, you know that Marshall was a, an emergency C-section. And so whenever you have a C-section in your birth history, there's always a chance that a doctor is going to prefer to do a scheduled or planned C-section because, um, you have a higher likelihood of needing an emergency C-section and it's better or easier maybe for them. I don't know maybe for the patient too, I don't know, uh, to have a planned C-section. But in my head, I really wanted a, um, if I could, I wanted a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after cesarean. And they call it something else now, and I don't remember what it is. Anyways, I really wanted a VBAC. Um, and I'm not really sure why, looking, that's not true. I do kind of know why, but I think there's some other reasons that I'm not sure about. But one of the reasons that I wanted a VBAC was one, my physical, my public floor physical therapist told me that that would be an, it's generally an easier long-term recovery in terms of like rehabbing the body than, you know, C-section is actually a major surgery. Like people say, oh yeah, I had a C-section, but like 
you're like cutting your stomach open. Um, it's a major surgery. It's, it's no joke. Um, and it's a lot of recovery. Um, and honestly, the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to be back other than what my pelvic floor physical therapist told me was, um, so I didn't know this was a thing until I had my C-section, but basically like your C-section scar is like really low. Like it's like, um, if you were wearing like a bikini, it's like right where that line is, um, you know, right above your pubes, basically, depending on how your pubes go up if you have them. Um, and, and depending on how they tie up this, not the scar, but like the incision, um, it can be a little tight and then it can make like whatever is in your stomach, like any kind of, you know, fat or whatever, just kind of hang over and people call it the shelf. And I, have a shelf and it's like the one thing that's like really just sticking you you know you all many of you if you've been with me for a while you know my history with body image and my relationship to my body and it's just been this sticking point and I just really wanted to be back so that I didn't have to have another surgery and potentially make the shelf that I have worse Um, because you can with physical therapy work on the shelf you can like loosen up the scar tissue so that it doesn't hang over as much or potentially eventually at all. Um, so I just really, really hated the shelf and I didn't want to deal with it. And like, I feel like there's a part of me that feels guilty saying that. Cause I'm like, this is not what I teach and I healed this and blah, 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 blah. But you know, if I'm just being honest, like that was really a big driver for me and, and wanting a VBAC. And I also knew that like, I was not going to go through labor. Like I had back labor with Marshall and it was just horrible and lots of pain. And I just, I don't know. I heard back labor is more painful than regular labor. And I just didn't feel like dealing with that. So I knew going into the VBAC or attempting the VBAC that I wanted to do or wanted to get an epidural. Um, of course I didn't go into labor. So it was kind of a whole thing because the doctors thought that I was going to do, um, a plan C-section. I was like, I thought we were going to try a VBAC first and then do a C-section. So it was a whole thing. I won't get into it. Ultimately I came in for my, um, my induction and they hook you up and they start giving you, um, well, actually, um, first they put like a bulb or a balloon and it just like, like blows up and eventually, I mean, over like many hours, it's not just like a one and done quickly thing. Um, but ultimately they put this balloon in my uterus or not my uterus, I guess my vagina to, um, you know, to get that like 10 centimeters, right? Like that's the number that you need. Um, and then they start a Pitocin. And so Stevie and I are just chilling on the hospital bed. We're watching, I think the Goldbergs, um, I did not plan my food very well and they do not let you eat, especially if you're doing an induction, especially with the history of a C-section in case you have to go into surgery. And I was hungry and I was so mad at myself for not having a good meal before coming to the hospital. So I was just eating like, or drinking, um, clear broth. Cause that's all they would let me eat. And I was so hungry and I was like, I'm about to like basically go to a marathon right now and I'm starving. Um, later on, I will be glad that I did not eat anything other than broth and ginger ale. Anyways. So fast forwarding a few hours, um, I started to feel some pain. And so then that's when I told the nurse, all right, I don't want to get into any of this shit. I just want the epidural hook me up. Um, 
anesthesiologist came, got the epidural. Stevie and I decided to take a nap. I was feeling pretty good. And then I woke up a few hours later and I was in a lot of pain. And so you have like this little button where you can not administer the epidural, but just like up the medicine, basically. So I was pressing the button and um, it wasn't really going, the pain wasn't really going away. Um, And it was getting more and more painful. It's getting more and more uncomfortable. Um, And so they actually eventually brought the anesthesiologist back in and readministered, like literally took the needle out and put it back in. Um, Didn't really make much of a difference. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Friends, they were trying different meds, and eventually we got to a point where the anesthesiologist was like, we can't give you anything else or I don't feel comfortable giving you anything else. And also, if you have to go into a C-section at this point, we have to do general anesthesia because I couldn't take any more of the um, the epidural meds. I was at the max that he felt comfortable with. Um, and he says it was because of the back labor. He says that the reason why it wasn't working is because the way that it's made to work is it's made to work around your stomach area. But if you have back labor, there's not really a lot we can... It's not meant to, to go back there. And I'm like... Okay, whatever. But I also just listened to the retrievals on um, Serial from the New York Times. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Does someone take my fentanyl? Uh, Because apparently epidurals are fentanyl, which I did not know. But anyways, fun fact. Um, And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, the retrievals is, I don't know, maybe you don't listen to it if you think you might go through IVF. Um, Or maybe you do want to just so you can be more prepared to ask questions. I don't know. Anyways, it's called the retrievals. It's on Serial. Um, okay. So, um, at that point we just had to give up. The epidural wasn't going to work. I also couldn't get into the water because I was already hooked up on all of these machines. Um, and then we got to a point where, you know, my doula kept wanting me to switch positions and I was probably being like, leave me alone. Cause like, I just, everything hurt. Like everything just hurt so bad. The thing with back labor is that, at least in my experience, is that I didn't get a break, right? Like a lot of times with contractions, you feel the contractions for, you know, 60 seconds, 90 seconds. And then, you know, they, you have like 30 seconds to a minute, minute and a half, maybe a couple minutes to rest. And with back labor, I could tell the contraction was done, but like the pain was still reverberating through my body. And so I had a break from the contraction, but not a break from the pain um, because that reverberation just never really went away. And then at one point I got sick and I threw up, which is why I was glad I only had ginger ale and broth because wasn't that terrible. (laughs) And they're like, oh, that's normal to go through during transition. And transition is like when you're about to start, you know, really getting to close to that 10 centimeters and almost time to push. 
Um, anyways, so there was one point where the pain was just too much and the doctor came in and I was like, I just can't, I just, I can't do this anymore. I was like crying. I was screaming. I was moaning. I was just like, not like in my body. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Cause it was just, the pain was unmanageable, unbearable. I was like, just take me to a C-section. Like I'm done. And the doctor was like, well, let me just check you. And so she checked me and I was at nine centimeters, totally effaced, all ready to go. Just had to do this one more centimeter. And she was like, you're so close. You're almost ready to start pushing. Let me come back in 30 minutes and let's see where you are. And like, that was just like such a smart play. Cause I was like, oh, I can do 30 minutes. Cause, cause then she was also like, no matter what, we can't get you into a C-section right now. Cause there's no operating rooms available. Cause it was an emergency, right? It was just like, at that point it would have been, I guess, elective. <clears throat> um, so she's like, we have to wait no matter what. So let me come back in 30 minutes. And so lo and behold, in 30 minutes, I was at 10 centimeters. I wasn't quite ready to push because the baby was still high up, but I was like, I'm getting this fucking baby out. And so, um, that's when the pushing began. And ultimately I think I pushed for about an hour and 45 minutes. And, um, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. It was, it was horrible. There's a part of me that can have an appreciation for the miracle that is childbirth. Um, and like the, not the appreciation, but like the awe that like my body made this human, um, I can have all of that. And also I can be like, this fucking sucked and I never want to do it again. Um, cause that's also how I feel. <laughs> and I feel like as women, especially like in the more natural birth community, there is like this tone of like, look what your body did. It's amazing. Like, da, 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 da. and it's like, yeah, but also like, it was really traumatic because like, I wasn't expecting to feel this level of pain because the epidural didn't work. And I'm not going to go into Marshall's birth story, but ultimately before the C-section, I did, I was on the epidural when we were still trying to go the vaginal way and it did work. So I had, there's no reason in my mind why it shouldn't have worked this time around. And it just didn't. And so I was not expecting it. I had back labor again, which is what I was afraid of. And the pushing was just, it was exhausting and it hurts. It hurts. Like, I mean, I know people say it all the time. It's like, you're pushing something really big out, out of something really small. Um, and so finally, you know, we start pushing, I start pushing and it's just so primal. Like the screams like, Oh, like I won't do it, but like, just like grunting and, um, yeah. Um, you know, even though like the meds weren't really working, I was still very much, I think mentally in and out of it. Um, and all, and what I do remember thinking though, was like when I could feel her beginning to like crown and all that kind of stuff, like I just, okay, this is where I'm going to start talking downstairs stuff. So if you're going to get grossed out, then I don't know, fast forward a little bit. I'm not sure how long it's going to last, but you know, when you like really have to, to poop and you can feel it and then you like poop and then it just feels like, Oh, I have all this space in my body now. I don't feel crampy. My stomach doesn't hurt. And it just feels like this release, right? So I was like craving that feeling. Um, cause it turns out like pushing to birth your baby is basically the same pushing as like having a poop or like a really hard poop, like constipated or whatever. And so I was pushing, pushing, pushing. And, um, 
And I was just like craving that release feeling. And I was, I just really thought, and maybe I was even told that like, once she's out, it's going to feel that release and all the pain's going to go away. And plus you see all those pictures people post on Facebook of like how they're happily smiling at their baby, sitting up in their bed, clearly having just given birth. Um, and she finally came out. They put her on me and I was like, I was just in shock. I was still, I think of just like all the pain that I just experienced that like, she just laid on me for like, I don't even, I don't even know how long. And then they took her away immediately because she wasn't breathing, um, the way they wanted her to breathe. I think she was breathing. They said her breath sounded funny and they think that she had just like swallowed like a bunch of fluids on her way out. So they took her away immediately. Um, and assessing whether or not she needed to go to the NICU and the pain didn't go away. Like it wasn't like the pushing or the contractions again, but like my uterus, like it just felt like someone was just like clamping really hard on my uterus or just like my stomach area. And like, it would not release like, and taking a breath, like inhaling every time made that pain like 10 times worse. So it hurt to breathe. Um, and I could not relax. And like, my legs were still up. I, I don't know if someone was holding them, if they were in stirrups, but I had some, some second degree tears. And so like the doctor was, she, as soon as the baby was out, she just went straight into like sewing up the stitches or whatever. And the pain was just there. And I was holding my legs up and I was like, so uncomfortable. And I was like, why am I still in pain? What the fuck is going on? And then, you know, the doctor was taking like, it felt like forever, but I think it was probably like five to 10 minutes to stitch me up. And I thought, okay, once I put my legs down, then I won't be in pain anymore. And, um, nope. I, she was done like this, this pain in my uterus and stomach just would not go away. And people seemed like the nurse and the doctor seemed like surprised I was in so much pain, but that's just, you know, where I was. Anyways, they took, they took Ruthie off to the NICU um, and Stevie went up there with her. And so it was just me, the delivery nurse, and then my doula. And, um, and the nurse was like, okay, I want to get you up cause you haven't emptied your bladder in a little bit. So let's, let's do that. So I was again, so much pain, very slowly, like rolling over. And my doula was helping me and my, the nurse was helping me. And I put my legs onto the floor to stand up and all of a sudden like whoosh, um, liquid just started pouring out of me and it was red. And so at first the nurse was like, oh my God, like she's losing like hemorrhaging basically, right? Like losing a ton of blood. But then it was just the blood getting washed off from the urine that was just falling out of like literally just falling out of my bladder. It was as if I was holding a bottle of water upside down and just like, you know, everything, everything coming out. And so we still walked over to the toilet. I, um, you know, whatever urine was left, I peed some more. She helped me get cleaned up. Um, and then I think they put me in a wheelchair at that point to take me to the recovery room. And I got up and anything that was in my bladder just came right out. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, again, still in a ton, a ton, a ton of pain. And the rest of that day, 
because I, I delivered Ruthie at around 11 a.m. So it was daytime rest of that day. Anytime I got up, whoosh, like just, just, it wasn't like a trickle. It wasn't like a little squirt, you know, like I know sometimes women when they sneeze or laugh in a compromising position, you get like a little squirt, you know, but it's just like a little bit and you don't even change your underwear, right? Like it's fine. <laughs> this was just like anything that was in my bladder was coming straight out. And, um, and I just didn't know what was going on. And so because, and also the other thing that was weird was that like, it was a lot of urine coming out, like a big pee, you know? And I was like, that's so weird. Cause it didn't even feel like I had to use the bathroom. And so that might've been because of the epidural still making me numb. So I couldn't feel, you know, that urge to go or like that pressure in my bladder. So eventually a nurse was like, I need you to get up every two hours and pee and just make sure you're like, you know, emptying your bladder. And, um, every time I got up one, it was excruciating pain, but like, I didn't even make it a foot from my bed before everything was just coming out. And, um, and then, and then like it dawned on me, like, this is going to be a problem. Like, this is not just like something that happened right after a delivery. Like something's going on with my bladder. Like I have zero control and I can't feel anything. Um, and so, you know, what's interesting is when I had my C-section recovery, obviously I was in a lot of pain, but I was resting. And then, you know, if I had to get up to get the baby or go to the bathroom, like it was painful, but it was like a healing, like every day got better. Every day got easier. Um, but I didn't, ex- but like with, with the, with my vaginal birth, um, Yes, I was in excruciating pain for like two days, that stomach pain that I was telling you about. Um, I had some pain like downstairs, like around my vagina and, um, all right, this is real downstairs. I had like the biggest hemorrhoids, <laughs> which I guess makes sense because you're like pushing really hard. You're not supposed to push your poop out because it gives you hemorrhoids. These hemorrhoids, I, oh my God, a nurse told me like one was like almost the size of a golf ball. So like that was fucking painful. Couldn't sit on anything. Um had to use like a donut pillow anyway so certainly some pain but like the pain cleared up much quicker than my c-section pain but like it was so stressful knowing that every time I would got up I was gonna just like empty my bladder on myself and the zero control ended up going on for like a little over a week so well beyond when we got home so I was just like wearing straight up diapers um, and it was stressful because like I needed to get up at, like basically the doctor left me saying like, you need to retrain your bladder. So pee every one to two hours. So I would get up every one to two hours to go empty my bladder. But like, I didn't want to get up because I knew what was going to happen. And it just really messed with me mentally and emotionally. And so while I think in general, like it has been an easier recovery physically, um, in terms of pain, even though the first part of it was excruciating stomach uterus pain that no one could really explain. But, um, the just peeing on myself every time I got up was, it was so hard. I don't know what it was. It was just like, you know, pain is one thing, but like when your body isn't operating correctly, um, to me that felt more scary. Cause I was like, Oh my God, am I going to be peeing on myself the rest of my life? Will I ever be able to like, go on a walk or just like go to the restaurant with my friend and not worry about like 
peeing on myself or smelling like urine or whatever. Um, and then finally, after about a week, I started to have more control. Like I could get to the bathroom, albeit I really had to like squeeze my, do my Kegels on the way or, um, you know, a little bit would come out before I got to the toilet. Um, and you know, it gradually got better. Some days would feel like they were, I was backsliding, but like, you know, the overall trajectory was certainly improvement, but I would say this whole peeing thing and just having extreme incontinence, um, I don't want to say like ruined my postpartum time, but like, you know, I, I was exhausted, you know, with my postpartum with Marshall, the trajectory was always up, right? Like, okay, I'm in pain, but I'm healing and things are getting better. This is like, okay, I feel fine now. I'm not in pain anymore. And yet I'm still peeing on myself. So I, I feel like I can't go like do anything. I can't go on a walk. I can't, um, go get coffee with a friend or, you know, anything like that. Um, and so, uh, in some ways, like it was kind of a terrible postpartum. Like I didn't want to go, I didn't want anyone to come over. I didn't, I didn't want to go anywhere to show anyone the baby. Um, it was just annoying that I always had to be within like 10 feet of a bathroom. Um, uh, just when your body's just not working right, it's, it's really hard. Um, and I didn't, it's, it didn't really feel like almost normal until about five weeks, which is, um, at the time I'm recording this, um, she's about five and a half weeks. So, um, it's really only been a few days as now when I'm recording this, that it's almost felt normal. Now it's not normal because I definitely squirt more (laughs) than normal. And if I do let my bladder get too full, I will almost certainly trickle a little bit. Or if I have to poop and like, there's like a lot of pressure in my, or like if I'm gassy and there's a lot of pressure just in my lower body in general, that's just going to put more pressure on my bladder and it's going to make it harder to control. So I'm certainly not normal. And the most frustrating part is that a pelvic floor therapist, my pelvic floor therapist, like she won't see me or do an internal exam to see like, okay, are we talking about, this is just weak pelvic floor muscles. Is it because the tearing and it didn't heal right? And there's scar tissue or is there prolapse? Like I, she wouldn't check me until after my sixth week or she won't check me until after my sixth week. So there's not even like someone I can see. Everyone's like, oh, well, you know, you got to wait for your six weeks. And so, I mean, I won't go on this tangent, but this just brings into like a whole other, like, why aren't we seen until six weeks? Like, why aren't we seen earlier to make sure healing is, you know, going well and to check blood pressure? Cause like preeclampsia can still happen after delivery or why aren't we, um, having appointments, check pain levels, all this kind of stuff. Anyways. So my sister, my older sister came to visit and, um, well, I mean, she lives like 45 minutes South. So she came up one, one day and we were talking about C-section versus V-back. Cause I asked her, cause I had a choice, you know, did I want to do a C-section or, or a induction go for the V-back? And she was like, and she had, um, C-section, V-back, C-section, V-back. So she's had four kids, two of each. Um, two of each kind of delivery. And, uh, she couldn't really give me an answer when I asked her before I had Ruthie, um, you know, which was better, which would she prefer? Cause you know, she's like, ah, they're both kind of tough in different ways. And then when she came up after Ruthie was born, what she said so perfectly, like summed up how I was feeling, which is a C-section isn't as bad as you think. And then 
a vaginal birth is worse than you think. And I'm not saying this is universal, but when she said that, I was like, yes, that is exactly how I feel, 100%. Um, like a C-section, like, ah, wasn't so bad. And then a V-back, like, oh, it was much worse than I thought. Now, will long-term I be, be glad that I had the V-back because for aesthetic reasons around like the shelf, who knows, maybe. Um, but I do remember thinking, you know, when I was constantly peeing on myself and had no bladder control, I remember just, why didn't I do the C-section? Why? I was really beating myself up around that. Um, you know, so other than that, um, Marshall has, he just loves Ruthie and I was very worried that he would be jealous or hate her because he's taking away time or attention from, you know, him and, we haven't experienced that at all. He just loves her so much. He always wants to help and he wants us, he wants to change a diaper and hold her and kiss her. It's very, very, very sweet. Um, she sleeps well. She sleeps a lot. Um, although it's not a fair comparison to how Marshall slept because this time we have the snoo, which is a basically like a robot crib that you might have been able to hear the gentle hum, um, in the background, I'm not sure if you'll be able to hear that, but basically it rocks and plays a background or like a white noise kind of thing. And then if it hears or senses her, um, you know, getting a little fussy, then it like amps up (laughs) the white noise and the rocking to soothe back to sleep. So, and it really does help stretch her, how long she sleeps, especially at night, which is great. And then I can also put her down for naps during the day. And with Marshall, I would have never been able to record this at five weeks because that kid was not taking a nap unless he was on my boob. Um, and with her, like I can just nurse her till she's very drowsy. Then I put her in the crib and turn it on and it rocks and she's asleep. And now I have two hours to record this podcast and do other stuff too. So, um, that part's been much easier. Um, and really great. And, you know, I have to be honest, like, I don't love the newborn phase because it's a lot of like giving, 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 right? Like a lot of changing diapers, a lot of feeding, a lot of, you know, trying to keep her happy and all that kind of stuff. And they're not social yet. So they're not smiling. They don't recognize you. They, um, you know, there's no interaction. So while I'm not wishing the time away, I'm doing my best to savor the there's a sweetness to the newborn phase for sure. Um, you know, it's not my favorite. So I'm looking forward to kind of getting to know who she is as a person. Um, and that's really the update. So I went on a little longer than I was expecting. I hope that, uh, you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it, even if you've already had children or don't plan to have children or don't want children. Um, I don't know. I was like hearing what people are up to behind the, you know, behind the scenes, all that kind of stuff. All right. So I will see you next week for the kind of like the bridge episode between what was the love life connection to the run your money show. And, um, love to hear any thoughts or anything. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. Um, I'm Veronica E. Grant and I will, see you next week. And I'm just, I'm really excited about this new iteration of my business. And I'm so glad that you'll be along for the ride. So until then. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.